Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan African Radio's discussion program. The discussion program brings together experts to reflect on a variety of current security issues facing Africa at local, national and international levels. Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan African Radio discussion program. I'm your host Alfred Moteru. Today I'm coming to you from Kenya's capital, Nairobi, at the Continental Youth Consultation Meeting on Transitional Justice, a meeting which has been organized by the African Union and the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation. With me today are youth leaders from various parts of Africa, and they will be sharing their own experience with transitional justice issues in their own uh, respective countries including the recent developments by several African countries uh, expressing the intention to withdraw from the International Criminal Court. We'll also be talking about uh, the role of youth in social movement in Africa. If you could all introduce yourself by telling us where you are from and what you do. Good afternoon, my name is Ludon Ngabiti. I'm a student at the University of Botswana and I'm also with the African Union Youth Clubs Botswana together with the Botswana Movement for Democracy Youth League as the Deputy Secretary General. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon everyone. My name is Ngoga Billy, studying in the University of Rwanda and also coordinator of Club Never Again Genocide in Rwanda. Hello everyone, my name is MacDonald Munyoro. I work with the National Association of Youth Organizations in Zimbabwe where we're working with young people both at the national and regional level on issues around development and I'm from Zimbabwe. My name is Ambassador Williams Sheung from Nigeria. I'm the chairperson of ECOWAS Youth Council and an, an ambassador at the Commonwealth Youth Council. Thank you. My name is uh, Ali Penny. I'm from Tunisia and I'm the Youth and Community Mobilization Officer in iWatch organization which is an anti-corruption uh, watchdog organization from Tunisia. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name is Jessica Wakubo. I am from Cote d'Ivoire. Um, I'm currently interning with the African Union Department, Department of Political Affairs um, as a human rights center. Good afternoon, my name is Lydia Maika. I'm from Tanzania and I'm working with, in, with an NGO. It's called Tanzania Youth Coalition. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if I may start with you, uh, Lydia, kindly tell us um, what are the recent um, um, uh, issues. You know, I, we know we have you have elected a new president, and I'm sure the country is expecting a lot from him. Could you just kindly tell us uh, how the youth are participating in this new administration? Um, thank you so much for the question and. Um, with the new president, um, there is a lot of things now, and we thank him because he chose a lot of young people in his government. There is a lot of young people as um, regional commissioners, as district commissioners. And another thing about our new president is that he emphasized on the um, youth fund in each district in Tanzania, whereby um, we have each district has to have like 10% of its revenue, and this 10% it's belong to young people. It's called Women and Youth Fund, so young people can access 
um, that fund, of which women have 5% and youth have 5%. With this fund, it's easy for young people to access them, and it's easy for young people to, like, they can start entrepreneurship activities. So um, with this, his initiative, we are hoping that um, young people will move to the next level. Just to take it on from there, uh, there have been criticisms um, uh, on his approach towards particularly graft. Uh, others are describing him as a very astute and aggressive person. Uh, is this a view or we are seeing things from a different uh, lens? I don't know what to say. Can I say it? it's jealousy or other people, outsiders, they're jealousy because we have a good president. But that is the kind of president that we wanted for a long time. So we are happy that we have the kind of president like him. And as Tanzanian, we are really happy. So we don't take him as a dictator. Jessica, I know when sitting in Ethiopia, you have seen uh, recent developments. And um, sitting from outside, we are seeing that, you know, young people are willing to exercise their right to, you know, to express themselves. But from outside, we are seeing all the narratives that we are hearing, you know, are detentions, um, I think we had reports that over, I think over 500 people had been arrested. Um, do you think young people are getting a platform to uh, talk about their issues? And if not, you know, what, what can they do? What other ways can they exercise their, you know, their ways of, uh, you know, expressing their, you know, freedom of expression? Um, thank you for the question. Um, as you know, there's been a lot of protests and manifestations in Ethiopia, especially outside of the capital. Um, what I can say is that the government did take into account these protests and did shift around the government um, bodies and gave important positions to ethnic groups that were expressing to be uh, marginalized. So there's definitely progress. Um, the youth are seeing someone to represent them, someone they're familiar with, and the the situation is actually getting better in Ethiopia. So, um, uh, what are the issues? What what are they expressing? You know, as a Kodivorian, sometimes we always say that it takes somebody from outside, you know, to point us uh, to us or to the indigenous. Uh, you know, to give a different narrative. What are they talking about? And uh, just in a summary way. Yep. The issues were unequal distribution of wealth. And obviously, when you live in a country that has more than 80 ethnic groups, there will be conflict or tensions along those lines. So what they can do is just um, have a fair distribution of wealth and engage people, have youth um, groups to interact with each other, cultures to interact with each other for greater um, prosperity. Uh, thank you. Um, Ali, just to come to you, I was fascinated about your presentation today at the conference. And uh, sitting from where I am, I, I see Tunisia, I think, as the only successful revolution, you know, of the Arab Spring. What, what do you think contributed to your success and what could other uh, countries, you know, within the continent learn from you? Thank you again for this opportunity. Well, uh, I may say clearly that uh, the most 
uh, important component for the Tunisian revolution and all the revolutions that happened uh, in the Arab Spring, call it uh, also, uh, are youth. Youth began the thing in Tunisia. The the guy who put himself into fire in the begin in the as the first trigger or the first glimpse of revolution in the Arab Spring. He was 27 years old. He he ended his life in fire because he was feeling unjust, because he was mistreated, and that was like the last uh, glimpse of hope or the last thing of uh, I don't know, of despair that happened to a country that suffered from. 23 years of um, injustice of uh, that royal family, even that we don't have a king, uh, but we was used to call them a royal family because they were treating themselves as a king's family and they were t taken from the wealth of the country in all the fields, economic there or even the natural resources. Youth were the, let's say, the category who were suffering the most. They were, um, yeah, some people in some regions as the coast or the capital well well educated, very goodly living, yeah, going to clubs, which, which is the uh, say the epic dream or the epic uh, I don't know goal of a young guy for at the weekend uh, doing. But more than 80% of youth in Tunisia were not living the same. So uh, the revolution itself started from there, and apparently it's the same situation in many Arabic countries or even men, all the African countries. I can say we're the youngest uh, continent. In the, in the world. So, once again, youth was the main component and youth was the the most essential component that made this revolution succeed. If we can really say succeed, we're still in a long process of revolution. Youth used all the, method, the methods to end this regime. We used to have opposition in Tunisia, that's a sure thing, with uh, many very important figures of opposition. Yeah, there were known political figures. Uh, they were either in jails or running away from Tunisia. But youth did in less than 30 days what those people couldn't do in 20 years. They gathered either virtually or in the street. They ended a regime of 23 years of uh, of dictatorship of uh, Ben Ali. With, uh, and the thing started by a guy turning, uh, putting himself into fire. Then to go into like the first electronic revolution ever, going to Facebook, even people after January 14 were tagging or uh, painting on the walls. Thank you, Facebook, for that. Yeah, Facebook was a very good help for uh, the Tunisian revolution as a youth uh, solution to end that uh, regime. Are we successful or not? Uh, I can't really tell if that, that we ended the process itself, but the revolution might take more years. Uh, we are young, we are perseverant, that's the most essential component that we need and that we all have as uh, young people. So yeah, we'll continue this path. Uh, many ex uh, let's say external um, stuff or external conditions are, we are doing and willing to do anything to stop this process and to stop this successful story, but uh, no, we are here. We are willing to do anything and sacrifice everything to make this story successful so that people later will not regret that either they imitated it or take it as, uh, I don't know, a perfect uh, template of revolution. Maybe that wasn't peaceful. It's not a call for revolution against any dictator, but it's a call for peaceful revolutions, maybe. Yeah, revolutions can be peaceful. Hold, hold your thoughts in there, yeah. because I'm interested to hear why you think you have doubt that it wasn't successful because I would like uh, you to tell us, you know, why 
other countries felt that, um, you know, went through the same process, but they have had very different results. You're listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Ambassador Balgun, Nigeria, it's counted as, you know, we have an adage here, uh, the car in front is always a Toyota. I think we're almost saying that the person in front of you in the continent is always a Nigerian, but it has a huge young population. Uh, but fundamental issues are at core, you know, corruption. Um, we have an insurgency in the north. Where is the uh, Nigerian youth in, in this process? Uh, you know, is it just the elite and the people with big money that are determining? Where is the Nigerian youth? Yeah. Thank you very much, Madrido. Uh, I must say at this point that uh, the youth in Nigeria are actually facing a lot of problems, whereby the government in power does not, uh, does not understand the core values of the youth and Currently, we, the youth, hear their voices on the social media, and uh, it's very difficult to walk down the streets to protest or to let the uh, the, the world and uh, the federal government know what the people are facing. But all what the youth are doing currently is to pray and, and, and pray to God to bring solutions. Why they are not ready to find solutions themselves? Because the present government is not youth-friendly. And uh, I must tell you that uh, the, only so the only solutions which has been on ground is uh, the, the military involvement in fighting this menace, this insurgent, and that I think that's the only solution on ground. And we are seriously working out ways because the kind of president we have is a very old man who does not understand the value of youth. And we are trying as much as possible to bring in the effects of youth to the country through the Ministry of of, of youth so that uh, the Federation can understand that we are the voice of today and not tomorrow and the youth can make a lot of influence. Uh, thank you. Um, I'll come to you, MacDonald, and um, Zimbabwe. Um, we have seen recent uh, agitation for change because of the long-standing uh, leader who has been there for uh, power. I've, are really the youth, will we ensure that the next uh, uh, next year or the next election will not have Mugabe? Or what is the prospect, you know, and what are young people, you know, doing, you know, to ensure that um, we have a, you know, a future generation, uh, you know, being representative of that country? All right, thank you very much uh, for posing the question. Um, like you are rightly putting it, um, Zimbabwe is one of those countries uh, in Africa where we have one of the longest standing leaders. And I myself, from the time I was born up to now, I've known one president. And I think as a country, we've gone through various problems, um, which in normal context would have seen people going on the streets, demanding accountability, demanding their rights. But for quite some time, people were, were, were resilient. And I think, uh, especially this year, we have seen the rise of um, different social movements that are led by young people. And I think the, the common thread in these social movements has been them identifying themselves as citizens, 
trying to claim and demand their constitutional rights, you know, which are enacted in the new constitution, which has got an elaborate bill of rights, which, for example, allows someone to demand uh, assembly, to demand association, to demand freedom of speech. Um, and as we all know, towards and around electoral periods, um, the dynamics <laughs> on the ground always change uh, in Zimbabwe. And I think right now we are in, uh, we're in 2016, our next election is 2018. But if you had to get a chance to come to Zimbabwe on the ground, it is as if we are going for an election, I think, in the next three months. And I think one of the key um, determinants for the outcome of that election is going to be the participation of young people. Why? Because until recently they were quiet, but now they are coming out in their numbers. And I think from the frustrations of you know trying to demonstrate and facing police brutality, you'd find that for some of them, their resolve is now in the ballot to say, you know, when the time comes, at least for our country, if our conviction is that we need change, we can change the government, we can change the discourse in the country. Well, you can only say time will tell anyway, uh, but um, I, would, I would like to go to, um, uh, to Rwanda and Billy, and uh, from, you know, from, from the current debates from, you know, from the conference, um, Rwanda has been taunted as, you know, as sort of that country that, you know, is doing things differently. You know, um, although we know we have we have just re-elected the country and given uh, him a mandate for more more years, which of course is not sitting very well with other people. Uh, is that a shared view that uh, uh, he's long-standing and he needs to go, or we need you need him to? I'm talking about President Kagame. You want? Do you think he's representing? Uh, he can take the young generation to the next future. First of all, I will start like. The previous governments, government was influencing young generation to perpetrate genocide against other by separating them by bring out the ethnics. But since we have uh, had this government, it has been very, very, very successful towards youth. It means we are we are not giving him our president another chance because uh, he has, we are supposed to follow the rules, but we are going through the experience we have had during his, his position as a president in Rwanda. So I think we have learned a lot from the lessons of our elders and we do not want the history to repeat again. So whenever we haven't found someone else able to follow the same rule to bring out the youth to, to unify against any other threat, we still can give him another chance. You're listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Ludo, I'll, I'll use your, uh, your opportunity, you know, to move into the next discussion. You know, um, you know, I use Botswana as one of the countries that has decided to take a progressive path and really go against the grain, and in particular to the issue of the International Criminal Court, when most of the other countries are, are, you know, are threatening, um, you know, to actually not threatening, they are taking concrete actions, you know, to withdraw from the International Criminal Court, which is 
an issue that you know emerged from this conference and I spoke to earlier this morning to Ambassador uh, uh, Hamad and you know he said the African Union is adamant that um, you know we have to withdraw from the court and please anybody else please contribute to the issue but let me let's hear from um, Ludo first. Botswana is one, is, is one of the countries in the African Union who have really been resolute about supporting the ICC despite the inter international relations we have with South Africa. We've actually issued a statement um, going against uh, South Africa's decision to leave the, the ICC. Um, there's a lot of debate on the ground as to why Botswana would take such um, a position. A lot of the citizens are actually questioning why because uh, the, our president has really been implicated on a lot of uh, issues that in, in, under normal circumstances he should be one of the people who say um, I want out. So it's still a question, it's still a, a, a matter of debate within the citizens and within the leadership as to why really Botswana has taken such a, a position. Do you mean it's not a shared view uh, or it's debatable? It is debatable in a way that by the time uh, the, 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 there's been a lot of controversy amongst the citizens in accepting the statement by our minister mm. because, in fact, the statement was, 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 was just issued out of, out of a hurry before the matter was discussed even within the leadership. Mm -hmm. So it, is, it was only after declaring the position mm -hmm. that we, the, the leadership went back to the table and said, but... Mm. Why, why, what is really our position now? So it's still a debate on the ground. Well, uh, do, do you think um, Africa or African countries should withdraw from, uh, from the ICC? Yes, uh, McDonald. Okay. Um, I think it's an interesting uh, debate um, around the ICC because I think... Um, in some contexts, people have actually moved from calling it the ICC. They now call it the ICCA, you know, which is International Crimi Criminal Court for Africans. Why? Because um, if we try to look at its own track record, a good 90 or over 90% of those cases that have been dealt with have had to do with people that are in Africa. And... Uh, the ICC has been ignorant of other developments and, uh, and issues happening in other continents uh, and parts of the country. And I think as we are just you know, trying to find our way into, into this debate, maybe I can also maybe just try to um, speak to what our elders and leaders are, are maybe thinking and processing in Africa by saying that the spirit really behind Africa and probably the African Union you know, was that grand vision of, you know, pan of Pan-Africanism, you know, where, where we believed that Africa for Africa and so and our solutions, you know, should should come from, from within us and among us. And I think for me, um, whether we see it from the left, the right, or the center, it really must be Africa speaking for itself and making its own decisions. Thank you. What are those solutions, sorry, if I may follow up on that? Well... We are um, the masters of our destiny as Africa. And I think given that all of our states um, 
rather the majority of us, you are independent countries, we have got our own sovereignty. Why should someone come from the West, prescribe to us what is right and what is wrong, when we have civilization, when we have the same, you know, or similar education system, which they have. And I think for us it is really a time and space where we need to believe, we need to invest in that power, in that knowledge, and that shared conviction that we have as Africans that we can achieve and we can do it. Um, Jessica, I can see you're, uh, you're, you have something to say. Yeah. Um, just to elaborate on your question and to go from uh, McDonald's response, I think that the trial of Idris Deby um, from Chad is actually a great idea. He was tried in Senegal. So why can't we have our own courts to try our own um, leaders? And also, if you remember how Laurent Babo, the um, former president of Côte d'Ivoire, was actually taken from his hotel by French troops and escorted to the Hague, it, it's, uh, it's shameful for us, and it's not fair. And also, People, some people think that the ICC is like a tool for the West um, or ancient colonial powers to get rid of the leaders once they don't want them there anymore. Sorry, I meant Issa Navri, not Idris Deby. Uh, uh, are the crimes that they have committed not shameful? The crimes they have committed are shameful and they can be tried, like Idris Deby was tried in Senegal, they can be tried within the African continent. But also let's not forget that, for example, the former president of uh, Cote d'Ivoire, even though he did possibly commit crimes, um, his, his, um, his follower, the current president, um, well, Maybe he didn't commit crimes, but people from his party have. But they're not at the ICC. Why is that? Because they have alliance and alliances with French people, or is it just because they're immune? Um, uh, sorry, Ali. Um, we can see, you know, the absence of, you know, our regional and continental movement um, um, institution. You know, uh, has you know left you know, some of the African leaders, you know, having the will to do and, um, you know, to do whatever they want to do. And that's why some of the countries, you know, like uh, uh, Morsi or even um, um, uh, former um, Gaddafi and, uh, you know, Mubarak, you know, um, they have been through national processes and yet they are still uh, scot-free. We can't say the same for Mosi, but, uh, you know, Mubarak was exonerated. Um, do we have faith in our own institutions uh, being capable of uh, dealing with, you know, uh, African leaders who have gone rogue, so to say? I can't agree anymore with uh, McDonald and Jessica, but uh, ironically we do need an ICCA, but an original one, not a, a fake one <laughs> as a notation. Yeah, we do need such a court to be an African one, but uh, as you said, isn't it, uh, aren't the crimes that uh, those dictators uh, made to their people shameful? Yeah, they're shameful, but uh, France or any other country taken a leader, no matter who he is, a dictator, yeah, the same thing happened with uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Many believe that he has been executed 
by French uh, uh, powers. Still, uh, that's insulting, not only for that country, but for the whole continent. One of the point, yeah, maybe you like pointed that, uh, okay, we need to treat them the way they treat the victims. Uh, excuse me, I need to be totally in contradiction with this. One of the main points of civilization is that we don't have to, or we must not even treat our uh, criminals, no matter who they are, the way they treated their victims. We must make the civilization and the law as the only rule. Yeah, uh, for the case of Ben Ali, for example, if we had such a court in Africa, we could have some power or some influence on the, uh, this kingdom of uh, Arabia Saudi to bring him back. Uh, that mm, such a court with uh, with the continental effect, with the continental pushing back on uh, African governments, could even uh, influence uh, don't know the interior decisions of new-made dictators, such as in Egypt. Yeah, I take total control of my, what I'm saying. See. Uh, Morsi, for example, for example, yeah, just uh, checked on Facebook now. He's been uh, mentioned as uh, still guilty, but he will not be executed. See, the thing is, uh, taking the example of Egypt itself, it's like a playing card. Uh, the actual president of Egypt is uh, just playing that card for having many, for having money and for having aids from the World Bank and uh, don't know human rights institutions. It's like, uh, okay, I'm going to execute him. So those international institutions have to interfere. Please don't. We'll help you more. Okay, I'm not executing him. He's, like, he's playing like a kid. If we had a continental institution, such things, such uh, ironic things, or even brutal things that happen in other African countries wouldn't happen, that would be like a supreme African court that could judge and sue any of these dictators or any potential dictators. And uh, I agree one more, one more time with McDonald's, we don't need any foreign or superiority from any institutions. Africa can lead itself by itself. Yep. Um, Lydia, Tanzania has fortunate, been fortunate enough you know, not to experience any uh, one of the widespread, uh, widespread uh, violation of human rights. Um, is there something that we can learn, you know, as young people uh, within the continent, on how that country has has dealt uh, has dealt with its issues of diversity and uh, conflict? Um, in Tanzania, we have um, we have the constitution, the United Republic Tanzania. We have the constitution, and uh, we have other rules and laws. Um, these rules and laws um, helps to bind people to follow them and this hopes to keep peace in our country so if you like you violate all these laws there are procedures that you can be prosecuted but the country has denied um, uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Zanzibar uh, its claim for autonomy you know uh, they have clearly expressed themselves during elections that they want to you know, to be on your own, uh, be on their own. Why isn't uh, the country, um, because they feel generally they are disconnected both physically, but also I think in terms of uh, uh, governance from the mainland. Okay, I think you are reminding me of something that I never wanted to talk about it because it's kind of political things and, you know, people has, I don't know, has their, they had their interest on that. I really don't know, but the way our leaders handled that, that was good because if they couldn't 
go in the middle of that, I think we could now have another story about Zanzibar. I think Zanzibar will have like civic wars right now, but the way they handled, I think it's it's really perfect because now people are living at peace and they, yeah, there is peace in Zanzibar. Well, I how come a country that is so much endowed with resources and wealth and a youth population, and you can see what has happened uh, in North Africa or even in your neighborhood uh, in, um, in Burkina Faso. Why aren't young people rising up and, uh, you know, saying that this is enough? You know, we need, uh, we need change. Um, thank you. Actually, what is actually on ground is that, uh, let me start by, by saying this, that... Uh, the nation has depended so much on oil, crude oil, and now that uh, the value of crude oil has depreciated, and uh, we we are facing a lot of problems, uh, whereby the youths are not ready to, to work. They, they depend on what is coming from government. And now that there's no more crude oil, there's no money, nobody wants to go into agriculture and the like. So uh, basically that has been the problem of the country. And uh, the youths are actually rising to, to this issue, but the problem is this government is new. We must blame the past government as well for these uh, issues because they had a financial mismanagement when they were in government. And uh, the youth are actually speaking, but definitely when the youth are speaking, you know these men in power, they tend not to listen, but will continue to speak and agitate. Uh, the government, before they came into power, they promised a lot. They promised to give out 5,000 naira. To, to, to every youth, and uh, they are not doing that now. So we hope that things, things change for good in the nearest future, very soon. But we keep, we'll keep uh, agitating for a change, and we want things to be better to turn around. And we, we are hopefully that, uh, that they will turn a, a new leaf and listen to our yearnings. I'll come to everybody, you know, to give me a closing statement because we are going, uh, time is not on our side. Uh, but one of the outcomes of the of the meeting, you know, uh, was that there was a deep concern that, you know, youth are uh, marginalized, you know, uh, and they don't have a voice, you know. I would like just to get your views on how we can have young people um, participate, you know. What are the avenues? What are the, you know, because I don't think you need to tell your leaders, you know, you, you demand it because you're right. You know, what, uh, in a few, in one minute or so, kindly just give me your views on how we can engage the youth, you know, and not to use these labels again on marginalization uh, and to have active young participation. Uh, maybe to start with you, uh, Ludo. Um, um, in Botswana, the youth actually do speak out, but they're always in a way intimidated by the uprising of the uh, the intelligence the, the the intelligence and security that is currently roaming within the country but so far the youths in the opposition ranks they're currently speaking so much that uh, one of the opposition parties there it's 100% young people pioneering it um but on issues of transitional justice and um, responding to these social issues. Um, honestly, honestly, the only way we can reach out to the government is if we have 
uh, a, a bit of some radicalism within the youth because so for so long we've been uh, diplomatic in, dis in in engaging with the government in terms of the roundtable discussions we've drafted uh, concept notes we have uh, we have we have exhausted all the diplomatic uh, i mean just currently just a few weeks back uh, one of the social movements that were seeking for uh, employment its leaders were imprisoned just for for demonstrating and just for working in in front of parliament with placards saying we are graduates but we ha we don't have any employment so i i i think we need to go beyond that we need to uh, uh, for the first time in in the history of Botswana have uh, an uprising against the social issues we need to, to go on proper demonstrations and be a bit radical on, on, on the government for for to us to get uh, for us to get the attention. Uh, Billy, are you radical enough, or do we need to be radical? Or you are you are satisfied with the status quo in uh, Rwanda? Yeah, actually, I would say like in Rwanda, youth have been the major part within the rebuilding of the country. We have used any mean possible through internet social medias we could uh, organize uh, some sp public sp speaking we could uh, make a walk to remember during the memorial month so i think we have learned a lot and what uh, within this conference i was emphasizing on it is learning from others experience Youth try to exchange ideas, try to make platform where every idea can be received and share with others. So I think that one we can go on from that, sharing the ideas, talking our experience we had and challenges we can get through the road to rebuilding our own Africa. Um, McDonald, do you think we are radical enough or we need to be more radical? I think that as, uh, as youth uh, in Africa, um, we need uh, to be more radical, um, especially borrowing from the recent experiences uh, in South Africa, you know, with various initiatives, for example, fees must fall. Why? Because um, we have always voiced out as young people, but in most cases, our voices are not heard. Our ideas are not uh, translating into what we are seeing and experiencing in our countries. And I think we are finding ourselves um, in a place where if we do not demand certain things, they will never be, be given to us. And I think for most African countries, we are probably 20 or so years into our independence. And I think that we are that generation in Africa that is trying to embrace and conceptualize what democracy means to us. And I think the good thing across the continent is that we're seeing young people coming, connecting, and dealing you know, with that, with that concept of democracy. Whether it, is, whether it is in North Africa, East Africa, West Africa, Southern Africa, we are seeing different forms and, uh, and, um, and versions of young people coming together and doing um, various civic actions. Uh, thank you. Um, Balkun, I, again, are we radical or are we uh, just, um, you know, just dancing to the tune of, uh, of our leaders, you know? 
Yes, we we are not radical enough, I must say. We are seriously dancing to the turn of our leaders. And at this point, this is a great uh, challenge. This is a, a great medium to to channel to the youth outside there that we have to be proactive enough to to demand for our rights. And definitely, I must talk at this point on the African Youth Charter. We need to speak up now. We need to we need the regional blocks of youths. We need the African Youth Commission, the Pan African Youth uh, Union, and other uh, youth organization to start speaking on why we need to, to to why we need to learn more. We need to know deeply what the African Youth Chapter has for us, and why our leaders need to make application of this. And we have to stand now and uh, have a better future for Africa and speak for the people, speak for the youth for a better tomorrow. Thank you. Ali, uh, I think we should export you uh, straight down to within the continent uh, because I'm just hearing that people are saying about radical. You know, I'm not quite sure. I'm not convinced that uh, the continent, young people in the continent are radical. Tell us whether we are radical we are just playing, you know, dancing to the tune of the leader. Well, are we radical or not? I can say we're just getting started. Uh, we started peacefully. Even manifestation and demonstration, yeah, they started peacefully. We took radicalism to the next level when things went wrong, when the other part started shooting people and killing people. Then there is no going back. There is no reconciliation even in such events. It's like the dead end for that president, leader, king, no matter what he is or what kind of authority it is. Once he's using guns or bullets against his own people, against his the own demands of young people or even old people, that's no legitimacy, no credibility. He lost all kinds of credibility. That happened on obviously all the countries of the Arab Springs. Uh, well, that depended from the frequency in Libya, as we all, we all know that uh, transformed even into uh, civil war in Syria. May God will be with them to end that misery soon. Uh, some people even are blaming Tunisia now for being the evil of the world, especially that we are exporting too many terrorists to Syria. That's my piece of advice to all those dictators. If you want, invest as much as you could in those youth because you, you're thinking that they are a risk for you. you. Maybe some dictators or some president don't want to invest on youth because they will take the, the leadership one of these days. Okay, you have to choose either to invest on them to make great leaders for tomorrow, else some, someone else will recruit them, will feed their egos, will turn them into soldiers who will come back as rebels or as terrorists, no matter what is the denomination, and they will end your ruin or your regime or whatever it is sooner or later such things will happen unfortunately many leaders if we can call them leaders even many dictators don't learn from history that throne or that chair of presidency won't last forever for anyone no so depends of how good you are or how bad you are to your people how good will be the reputation or even the feedback from your people unless you can exchange some experience with john kim un and turn your population into a bunch of slaves yep uh, jessica you're laughing i'm curious to know why <laughs> are we radical <laughs> i think the african youth needs to be more radical positively of course and then also organize beyond our borders, beyond our regions, just come together as one 
and then demand that our needs are being taken care of and that we are the voices of the present and the future. Lastly, um, do you think we are radical or we are contented? Um, I think the young people in Africa, we are, but we need to be more radical. We should... It's time now to, to stop being used by our politicians. It's, not, it's time now as young people to start demand for our rights. We have a lot of bodies. We have African Union. We have um, ECOWAS. We have SADC. But what are these bodies doing for young people? I think as young people, we should unite and we should fight for our rights in a good way, not in an aggressive way in a good way. I think unit is power. Thank you. I've gotten the message. Uh, it's of positive radicalization. Uh, that's what the voice of the youth. And thank you all to our listeners. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. <laughs>